Welcome to Feed the Machine. This podcast is designed to allow business people to share their stories. We will not only learn what they do and how they do it, but our interviews will include topics of mindset, grit, and overcoming obstacles. Get ready. Let's turn it on. Feed the Machine. This is going to be guaranteed a very interesting and thought-provoking episode of Feed the Machine. Before I get to my guest, I'll just tell you a little bit that this was my childhood friend. You know, we went to school together, HISD in the house. That's, that's Houston for you folks that are, that, that are abroad. But I uh, grew up in Houston. Matthew Ricketts was my good friend from school. I wouldn't say we hung out all the time, even like in high school. We were never like going to each other's houses and all of that. But through school, like always having fun, connecting. And then there's always through, you know, we knew each other through high school. And we stayed in touch even before Facebook. We stayed in touch. Like we were both the kind of personalities that would check in on each other. Even when there was home phones, we kind of, you know, in those days, you had to really write someone's number down if you wanted to stay connected. And I remember living in, you know, there was a time where I lived in California. I was working for Coca-Cola and Matt Ricketts calls me and says, hey, my dad and I are going to stop into California. Would, you know, would love to see you. And literally we did like I met them like in front of the Chinese theater. I, I only knew that I knew they only had like a couple hours. We did the most that we could. And I'm going back many years. Um, and I even now that I'm thinking about it, there was even a time we uh, we put together a, <laughs> a basketball t- team for the Jewish Community Center. We, we did this whole thing. And uh, uh, I remember us doing our own fundraisers. It just there's a whole lot of mishmash here. But but what has really registered with me over the years about Matthew is Matthew is someone who has routinely done fundraisers for prostate cancer and many other different important things. One of his uh, big events involves, uh, it's in November, and I want to say it's called Movember. I, is that it, Matt? That is exactly yeah. correct. Okay, so so this is where, you know, uh, everybody gets together. They bring their significant other if there is one. It's all-inclusive, but people come and, and they pay to get shaved that day. And then, and, and the beards go away or, or they just get trimmed. It just depends. But it's been years that he's been doing that. And then I also know that uh, one of the things that I'm really excited about with this interview for me is about is that through Matt's career and his life, um, he somehow manifested the books that he's written that are all, it's all poetry. I've seen him on social media sharing, sharing with us that know about him uh, these poems. And so now we're at, we're at three books and he's working on a fourth. So let me introduce you guys to Matthew Ricketts. Matt, I, I don't, I, I can't catch it all in like two minutes or less, but I, there's so much here. Well, and that's a good problem to have. It's, um, there, there are a lot of different things and I still like to take credit for you having a beard uh, because you did not have one before November. And, uh, we, even with the current save affairs, we're still going to do that again this year. It's going to be a much more low key, um, affair, 
But it's great to be able to pick different charities every single year and to be able to donate money to and to be able to give back to good causes. We always make sure that we use Friends of Ours bars uh, to host the fundraisers at. That way it helps neighborhood communities and people that we grew up with. And it's a great thing. And you've been a great supporter over the years of coming out to stuff like that and just being around. And even with that basketball team that we had back then of you coaching that and (laughs) – I was actually just thinking about that the other day of how we were definitely the misfits walking into the building. We were. And it was definitely good to have a little extra security with us. Yes, it was interesting that uh, we were very entrepreneurial because it was like with the basketball team comes the ability for us to arrange car washes. (laughs) And and, uh, I'll never forget like one of the things that I did for us to do the car wash. I remember borrowing all my dad's stuff and never returning it to him. And then for his birthday, like, you know, a month after we did this car wash and we made like what seemed like a million dollars, but it was like 65 bucks. I was like, my dad was so pissed that he, every time he was looking for a sponge or a bucket, it's missing. So I bought him all new stuff (laughs) for his birthday, which I could see how that's almost insulting. Well, and that's, I'm assuming part of just being a dad is, of course, you love to donate your things to help your child raise money or whatever. But at the end of the day, it's like, well, shit, where'd all my stuff go? Seriously. Um, seriously. And, you know, now that you talk about it, Movember is why I grew my beard. It was like it this is. first moment where I'm going like, we're doing beards now? You yeah. know, this is going back a while. How did this whole, what what led to even you deciding to create that? And- uh, there was a Facebook competition I'd call it six, seven years ago, um, where it was put together and I was, uh, I was a part of it and we just simply took pictures of before and after and posted them on Facebook and people, um, they selected whose beard looked the best or whatever. And so finally, after one of the years, I talked to my good friend, Josh, up, uh, who now lives in Austin. And I said, look, man, let's, let's really make something of this. You know, let's, let's try to raise some money let's try to make it the best cause possible. And, um, So that's what we did. And we selected a bar. We selected a local barber, had them come out. And we've used, like I said previously, different bars over the years and then different barbers as well. And um, it just became a real fun event, something I look forward to every single year and just cannot wait for it to happen. And the first year, we actually raised a couple bucks and we were able to give it to charity. And there's just... There's not a lot of better feelings out there in the world than to be able to walk into a charity and give them a check and just say, look, thank you for doing what you're doing, and we'd like to give you some money to help you out. You know, and it's usually, he and I think along the same lines as far as it being dogs or um, military. Mm-hmm. Those are our main points of focus, and that's what we try to do. It's Did just, I make up the prostate part? I don't know if I made that uh, up. Well, so prostate awareness is what Movember is all about. And, okay. um, but we don't always give directly to prostate awareness. Um, sometimes, like I said, it's a, uh, military, um, or animal related, but yes, the original intent was prostate cancer awareness. Nice. So, and, and it's, a, and it's been a success. You've done it several times. And, mm-hmm. uh, I think we've, I think a lot of the people we know, uh, have attended. So, Let's talk about the book just for a minute. These, you know, here it is. It's, it's several books mm-hmm. that you've decided to write. And, and there's a lot of vulnerability that 
I see out of this. It's it's you know this is kind of a edgy thing to do to share your <laughs> share your thoughts like this, very open. When did you first consider writing the first book? And 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 the first book is songs, poems, words, and thoughts. These are the shades of my soul. The title for that one I came up with um, at least 10 years ago. And I always knew I was going to write a book. Different girls that I had dated. And, of course, this goes back before social media times mm -hmm. where generally they were the only person who I ever shared anything with. Um, occasionally I would email some very close friends if I was really proud of something I wrote or anything of that nature. But before social media, there really wasn't a way to kind of broadcast your thoughts or um, different things you might be interested in or anything of that nature. Social media really changed all that. And so the first book was literally different things that I had written since roughly the age of 15. I mean, I'm 42 now. And so the first book came out six years ago so I would have been 36 so anywhere from the age of 15 to 35 36 that's what is encompassed in that book right there and a lot of that was things I wrote as when I was in my 20s and they literally just sat in a binder in a backpack in a closet and I didn't I, I was not as active writing back then as I am now and it wasn't, it was mainly because now I realize I kind of have a sense of what I'm doing. Back mm -hmm. then, I really didn't have a sense of what I was doing. You mean and while you were writing? You, I mean, what, what do you mean? Well, writing is, when most people think of poetry, they think of people like Maya Angelou and things of that nature. And it's a totally different style of writing. And one thing that I learned when I got into college, I was able to go start seeing some of these bands that I really enjoyed a lot. And this is back when the Texas country scene was really becoming a big thing. And people like Wade Bowen and uh, Cody Canada from Cross K Ragweed and guys like that were coming along. Well, we're the same age as all these mm -hmm. guys. So when I was in college, I was able to go bars and these guys were playing with five people in the audience. So you're able to go up and you're able to talk to these guys. And it, it just really changed my perception because before then I only thought of bands as guns of roses and Tom Petty and, you know, people who are just way out of, out of my reach. Mm -hmm. There's no way I'd be able to talk to those guys, but meeting all these other guys who could practically live next door to you, um, and listening to her songs in a different way, and especially their acoustic songs that they would play, they would explain the song. They would say, this is what was going on in my life. This is why I wrote mm -hmm. this. So it just really changed my train of thought. You know, And this is while I'm 20, 21, 22 on this time frame. And I finally put the pieces together that, man, the stuff that I had written a couple years ago with a couple little tweaks, it could be similar to what these guys are singing about, you know, in the same style and the same format and things of that nature. And so that really kind of changed something in my brain as far as how to write things. It's fortunate and it's unfortunate that I have difficulty going back and just writing poetry for the love of writing poetry. You know, now I feel whenever I sit down to write something, 
that there has to be a purpose and mm-hmm. there has to be a direction of what you're writing. And it's hard to just kind of sit down and look at a blank piece of paper and just say, all right, write. Yes. And, and I mean, as you say that, it makes me think about how all of us, uh, like w- there's c- certain content we have, like whether, whether it's a poem or, or, or just a thought that would be worthy of writing it down or a post in social media. Mm-hmm. It's so often that the first thing we do is go like, who cares? Right. Like who cares about this? And then suddenly it's sequestered and nobody gets to see it. And, uh, and it sounds like you were more maybe raw in the beginning where you would just write anything that came to you as you would do it. And then now as you go into three and four books, it's, it's almost like your filter is more, uh, prevalent. Well, there's a combination of things that went on there. Um, I always knew I was going to write a book, Mm -hmm. no doubt in my mind. Um, every single different girl that I dated pushed me towards it. Uh, and one particular girl who gets thanked at the very end of the first book uh, definitely did more than anybody else to push me to make that happen. And now, as far as there being a book number two, number three, and soon to be number four, no, I never thought that was going to happen. I honestly thought it was going to be a one-and-done situation, but life has changed since then, and it was something I discovered that it's really... It's a huge outlet for me to be able to write these things. Um, you know, it saves a lot of my therapy bills. Um, <laughs> yeah. It saves a lot of my alcohol bills and things of that nature. And um, and also, let's see. So the first book came out when I was thirty-five or thirty-six. Well, you know, a lot of shit's happened since then. You know? Sure. Um, but 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 on the idea of like like how your style has changed mm-hmm. right so like you said like in the beginning you would just write for your own for your own purpose right. and didn't really think about the end user or the list the reader or mm-hmm. whatnot and then now you're more you you think about why you're about to write this what's the effect i'm, I'm more cognitive of not just saying something to say something you know, mm-hmm. what is the purpose of what you're trying to say? Mm. Um, what is the main mission? What are you trying to? And that's one thing that always really made me gravitate towards country music is is because generally speaking, country music tells a linear story. There's a beginning, there's a middle, there's an end. And that was something that always um paid attention or that I always paid attention to because to me a song or a music video is just a miniature movie Mm -hmm. I love going to see a movie just like everybody else but if you're able to paint that picture in three three and a half minutes and you're able to tell a complete story that's even more fascinating to me and so yeah as all this is going on and as I'm learning more about structure and thinking about what I want to say and things of that nature. Um, that's really what I started to focus on. Yeah. You know, I, I don't try to sit down and say, or to write something. I, I don't think to myself, man, I'm really sad about this. So I need to write about that. Sometimes things just kind of build up inside of you until you can figure out a way to get it out. You know, when I was younger, I would go out and I would play sports or I would do this or I would do that. And sometimes I would do things the right way and sometimes I would do them the wrong way. But 
I haven't seen a whole lot of people get hurt by me sitting down and writing some words on a piece <laughs> of paper. Sure. So um, now some other people on the other end of what I might write about might take offense to it. And um, do you name names like when you so when you when you decide to do this, mm-hmm. how much of it is connected to the person that or a person that is the root of your thought or reflection? <sighs> It is, if you're close enough to my life, then you'll know who I'm writing about. Um, One thing I do purposely try to do is try to be a little bit more vague periodically. Um, Is he talking about a lover? Is he talking about uh, a a parent? Is he, you know, of Mm -hmm. course, obviously certain words that get used, you know, kind of let you know who I'm talking about. Um. And, you know, because I try to show respect to the people who have been in my life before and who have caused the happiness and who have caused the not-so-happy moments. And I, generally speaking, I do not try to use people's names. Um, yeah, and if you think about it, it's like, for, for as a poet, I mean, that's what you are. I mean, this mm-hmm. describes you. As a poet... Whether whether somebody causes causes you heartache, or suffering, or they cause you joy, or whatever, the one thing it does definitely do is give you subject <laughs> subject matter. <laughs> well, and I mean, shit, I I feel like that's half the reason why I go out on go out and do certain things is just so I can have something to write about, you know. And, and I I'm a real big people watcher, and one thing I've tried to get better at over the years is to observe others, kind of see what's going on with them and find something to write about just from looking. Because mm-hmm. I'm tired of putting my heart on the line every single time. You know, sometimes it's fun to just kind of reimagine what's going on with that particular couple. You might not have a clue of what's going on with them, but their body language, their things of that nature. And that's one thing I started writing about probably halfway through the second book, but definitely in the third book is um, just thoughts and images that I would see and just trying to kind of capture that moment. And, you know, whether it's a guy talking to a girl at a bar or anything of that nature and just imagining things and trying to romanticize the moment that is occurring right in front of you because lots of life isn't very pretty and it's just very mundane and boring but man if you can take that moment and you can kind of spice it up a little bit with some with some words and with some thoughts of how maybe that's going to play out or maybe it's not going to play out that's kind of fun too yeah Um, i mean in all of us like like as you say that i mean you could be at a restaurant and and just notice things right and mm -hmm. pay attention and Sometimes whenever it comes to uh, just life in general, like all of us know what it's like to be in a relationship and maybe it's, it's not all bells and whistles all the time, right? It's like there is t- tough spots. But to hear sometimes about, like, w- like one of the things that I kind of enjoyed about reading the poems I did that you worked on mm-hmm. is I'm going like, ah, okay, like it's nice to know <laughs> that that other people think some of this stuff too, right? Like just the, you know, there's a lot of, like I said, vulnerability in what you've written. And, and I, and I'm, you know, I read, uh, is it called the porch? It's um, a, a porch back porch, front, front porch, yeah. front, front porch. I, think. I don't know. Yeah. 
the introduction, you know, to me was was something that just reading that kind of enticed me to want to read the poem itself. And uh, and I'm sure we're going to we're going to read a little bit. Mm -hmm. But for all of the listeners, just real quick, I'm going to read to you just a little bit of Matthew Ricketts introduction to Porch Step. Mm -hmm. So it says we've all been there before the what if game. What if I had gone left instead of right? What if I had asked that girl to dance? What if I showed up on your porch step? Would you take me back? Your life is made up of these decisions and you'll almost never know what would have happened if you'd done the opposite. This situation never played out the way it was written. And he's talking about the poem on the other side of the page here. But it says, by then I was separated by three or four states and was trying to manage a crumbling life. I used to always tell an ex that all I want is a screenshot of the future, just a five-second glimpse to see what I am currently heading, where I am currently headed in the right direction. Of course, that is impossible and more than likely would take away from some of the excitement that making a few wrong turns would lead to, but it still never makes the question any easier or what if any easier. Yeah. Like, like just that, I'm sure anyone listening is going like, I want to read, <laughs> I want to read the poem, you know, because it, we all have this, right? We're all constantly making decisions. You're using your intuition. You're hoping your emotional IQ is good enough. And then you have this thing where, what are the facts? And pretty much as you go through your poetry, it's really, it's your observation of so many pieces of like what you're feeling and thinking and and then it even gets kind of fun where you where you project what what they might be thinking so as far as the vulnerability part of it um the way i best describe it to people is and i never felt this more in my life than when we did the first book release um at the mezzanine lounge they gave me access to the entire upstairs and the only people that were up there were my friends and family. That was it. And there was a ton of people there. My father was there. Uh, he was my manager and taking the cash and all that fun thing or fun stuff. And, um, and so people would ask, what does it feel like? And I said, see that stage standing right over there? Imagine standing on that stage without any clothes on and just standing in front of your friends and just saying, this is me. <laughs> That's what it feels like. And do you think some of that is as a man, like, do you think like sometimes I wonder, you know, feed the machine is a very spiritual kind of podcast. It's a lot of talking feelings and mindset and grit, which mm -hmm. all mindset and grit pass the, the test for a lot of people. But to think about how you feel about things sometimes is, is something people don't want to talk about. You kind of went straight forward towards that sensitivity. I I had to make a decision a long time ago, and this is another reason. There, there's a lot of different reasons why I keep putting out books, and you know, and it's something I will continue to do. And there's a lot of different subject matter I want to tackle over the years, and but at least four or five different friends have contacted me and said, "You know what? I was really proud to see you do that. I want to do it. Mm. How do I get started?" Yes. I'm one of those people cuz I'm I'm very impressed and I and I think 
the fact that, like I, I use the word manifestation is the fact that you went from the idea to actually doing it. And I, I, I don't get it as like you you did this for some mathematical reason. This no. was really just a love project, a passion project. Yeah. Someday I hope not to lose more money on this endeavor. And everything, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll take baby steps as it is. Yeah. Um, but I had to decide, and especially using social media as an, the outlet that it is, I had to make the decision of, am I comfortable being vulnerable? Am I strong enough to, um, am I strong enough to weather people potentially reading what I say or think and think to themselves, oh man, that guy's weak or man, I can't, um, I can't really understand that guy's thinking or, oh, he's just in this for himself or whatever. And that's not the case. You know, and it's, I mean, part of it is, yeah, of course I'm in for, you know, we're all in it for ourselves, but I am not in it for myself in the matter of trying to make a million dollars. Cause as I joked about, I've never made a dime off of any of this stuff, but I, it, it really is a release for me. And especially as the books go on and on, you know, I never imagined that this would turn into something that comes out every two years or so. It, it feels like a good way of being able to take the past two years of your life and encompass it all into one book and be able to just kind of close that particular chapter of your life mm. and go start moving on to something different. And I've, I've actually never gone back and read any of the books until last night because I wanted to kind of familiarize myself with some of this stuff um, before we started discussing things. Um, I, I Honestly, I've forgotten half of the things that I wow. wrote. I mean, I, I just... incredible. Well, and the way that lots of these things happen, I mean, this isn't a, a long, drawn-out process. I mean, a lot of this, I'd say 95% of these things or something I get an idea in my head or how a lot of these things manifest is I hear a song and I really like the beat or the melody or something of that nature. And I just kind of get stuck in my head. And I said, I think to myself, well, how would I write that? If I had, if, if somebody were to come to me and say, look, I've got this beat going on. Um, would you put the words to it? And that's kind of the way that I think about it. And most of these things are written in under 10 minutes. I mean, one, lots of times it's in the time that it takes me to go to the bathroom. Well, you mentioned to me a song that, uh, that inspired you. Yes. And uh, I had never heard of it, but... Such a great song. Such a great song. Sad Eyes? Sad Eyes. It's just the beautiful melody... It's a lesser-known Springsteen song, and such a great song. Every day here you come so, is this the tone that you're like, some, like in this first book that you wrote? Is this is is that where this song most pre, is most prevalent in maybe the spirit of what you wrote? This song, it's a, it's an older Springsteen song, and but this is definitely one that I heard and just instantly said man i love that song i just the words are great the um the melody is just beautiful 
And it's definitely a song that I've been able to go back and listen to to help get me inspired because just it's such an easy melodic beat that just kind of goes along and it just really plays itself open to a lot of different interpretations of what directions you can go with and writing something of that one. And um, so I've actually written two or three different things with that melody in my head. And um, so something that you could find in the first book, there's one piece that's called, am I the one for you? And it was written as I was listening to that song. So if you want, um, since you've already played that song and the people kind of had the melody in their head and everything, I'm gonna go ahead and read this. So you can kind of imagine hearing that beat of music and then listening to these words. And so this is, this is where it goes. It's called, Am I the One for You? You come and knock in at my front door, saying, baby, I can't take any more. My head is weary and I can't sleep. Gotta know if you're mine to keep. Am I the one for you? That's all I need to know. Am I the one for you? Please tell me. Please say so. Driftless driftless days and endless nights. Won't you talk? Won't you put up a fight? My head is hanging. My soul is tired. My body aches with endless desire. Am I the one for you? That's all I need to know. Am I the one for you? Please tell me. Please tell me so. My world is crashing. Don't know where I stand. Miles away from being a man. Tell me the truth. Tell me a lie. Tell me something from deep inside. Am I the one for you? That's all I need to know. Am I the one for you? Please tell me. Please tell me so. Very nice. And it's, it, you know, the, those times when you, <clears throat> when your head is just full of a lot of different things, you're thinking about work, you think about life. You know, of course you have children and, um, your own business and things of that nature and things just get cluttered in your head, you know, and, and you can speak to your brain as much as you want be like, Hey dude, look, we need to separate things, you know, all that. But to be able to sit down and write something that, you know, and what I just read to you, it, from what I remember about writing it, it didn't really, pertain to one particular person mm-hmm. um I've, I've a halfway decent memory about a lot of these things that i wrote and i can tell you where i was and some of them i just can't remember anything that particular one i, I don't remember there being <clears throat> any particular influence mm-hmm. um i just remember getting that beautiful beat stuck in my head and just yeah. you know how would i word this and um so that's how it happened. That was in the first book. So obviously that was written, uh, was probably written while I was in a long-term relationship. And uh, so more than likely it had to do with her. Yeah, you know? sure. Uh, I, I'm a guess. But isn't, but isn't that the thing? It's like between two people, whether it's a parent or a relation, any kind of relationship, parent, child, uh, husband, wife, girlfriend, boyfriend, teacher, student. Half of, I mean, more than half of what we have to do is whatever's not communicated with us, we're kind of putting a narrative together. Mm-hmm. And so how often, and this is really sad, you could have 
two different people that just don't know how to communicate with each other. And even if they have the, like the greatest feelings for each other, it's not transcending to one to the other. It's almost like it's what a, what a, what a sad, what a sad truth about life in general. And here it is. You're writing a poem. That's really just saying, am I the one? (laughs) Like, am I the one? Well, yeah, you would like to like you, especially if you're going to like spend the next several years together, you kind of would like to know you're the one. Well, and especially considering we're not together anymore. Apparently I wasn't. Well, and then on top of that, it's like maybe, maybe being the one, even for however long it was like, you're, we're always learning from each other and we're always experiencing and life is the experience. But this thing, this idea of relationships, especially in this case, like a romantic relationship it is nice to, boy, if you have two different people that really have conviction that they are to be together, that seems like you're halfway there. <laughs> well, and I mean, I, one thing I try to express to anybody that I'm dating, and, and I'm sorry, to go back to something yes. that you were talking about there for a second, is you know, let's say that, let's say you're in... Uh, in a relationship that you know is not going to last, but for whatever reasons you're together, you know, maybe you just enjoy some company, um, whatever the reason is, as long as you're being honest with each other, you should both be happy with just having that moment of time, Mm -hmm. you know, and that little snapshot, you know, maybe y'all only go to dinner once a month, you know, and y'all are just friends or whatever. And, Maybe you have somebody who you know you're on timetable to date. You know you know that it's a limited capacity, and you know you've only got a couple months, or whatever the case might be. But as long as you could be honest with each other and just say, "Look, you know this is how things are going to be," and you know as long as you're okay with it and I'm okay with it, then yeah, I don't see any problems with that. And because life is literally just the stringing together of a bunch of snapshots and moments of time. Mm-hmm. And that's it. So let's make the best of it. Uh, and I mean, arguments, arguments are going to happen, but nobody wants that shit in their life. I, I mean, know. but a lot of times when you're in a relationship, you kind of would like to think you're in a relationship with someone who's thinking about you and has feelings about you. And like, you know, one of the things that your poetry does, in my opinion, is it it allows anyone who knows you, and I think a lot of us friends that know you know you're this way, but you're empathetic and you're sympathetic and you're, the emotion button is on, whereas a lot of society feels like emotions are weakness or that it, like why should it be vulnerable? Because really, this is helping you navigate these relationships and it could also be getting in the way i mean all of us our emotions get in the way because they're you know the way you think about things causes a feeling and the way you feel about things causes a thought it's like a big swirl but but to get in but to get in alignment with it and then like for you the ability to like take these this what i'll call a mishmash of feelings and be able to like put it into a on a page is really a gift. It, it really is a gift because I don't know. I don't know what I would be doing otherwise with those emotions, with those thoughts or whatever. I definitely don't think I'd be as happy of a person. And, and, and that's one thing, man, I, 
really hope I get across to people who do read these books or whatever. You know, there's a lot of negativity in there and not necessarily negativity, but the, the thoughts of negative things that have happened in my life. Being able to write about these things really helps me to maintain being as positive a person as I can be because I'm able to release those thoughts and mm-hmm. to to sit down, give, and this is something I learned from my therapist long ago. I'm able to give that thought, that emotion, that that whatever it is, I'm able to stop what I'm doing, give it its proper due, whether I'm happy, whether I'm sad, whether it's literally just sitting there staring at a sunset or whatever. But I have the type of life that I'm able to do that. And what I try to do the best I can through social media, through being around friends, through whatever, is let's enjoy those little snapshot moments of our lives. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I think, and especially with social media these days and everybody working as much as possible. And of course with the current situation going on of COVID and everything, um, people have forgotten the, the little things of life. You know, they, they don't enjoy that, you know, going on a walk with you and your dogs before we did this. (laughs) I mean, like, you know, it's, it's a hundred degrees outside, but you know what? I love this part town. I love you. I love your dogs. I love your kids, all that. And so, yeah, let's go do it. And I'll give a shit. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's, it's something different. I get to look around. I get to see some more nature. And, um, yeah, it, it's, a, yeah, and I hate to keep using that expression, the snapshot times or the moment of your life or whatever, but we all get caught up so much in the hustle and bustle of everyday life. And you're guilty of it. I'm mm-hmm. surely guilty of it. And you, you got to be able to, enjoy the moment yeah and do you feel like that your awareness of this is due to loss loss in your life oh definitely um you know um yeah there's and i i came across it in one of these books i can't remember which one i wrote in but i remember and i'm not going to be able to quote this verbatim even though it's my own original thought or my own thought. Um, they say that you don't truly become an adult until you lose one of your parents. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember who said that. Um, but, you know, of course, I lost my mom when I was 20, let's call it 22 years old. Um, and you know, and that's a whole other subject for a whole other day and everything. Uh, but I mean, obviously that that shaped a huge part of my life, you know. And, and up until now, you know, it's almost twenty years ago. And um, it it made me enjoy what I do have. Mm. It it drew me closer to my father. Um, drew me closer to whatever family I had, my sister. Um, but it drew me closer to them. It, it drew me closer to seeking out what it is that we're here to do for a life. You know, was, was my mother's goal of life just to get married and have kids and have a career and all that? Or Right, I, right. It's like, it's like, what you, like, so as I listen to you, 
like when we are just dealing with the minutia, like you have to wake up, you have to take a shower, you have to get ready. Like you're trying to ignore your phone and you're got to get to work and you got to get it done. And you got all these people wanting you to jump through hoops. And while you're doing all of that, what aren't you doing? You know, it's, 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 I was just listening to, um, this podcast the other day that about a gentleman that's like a business coach, but he was talking about by saying no to something, you're saying yes to something else. It's, and, and what's really sad is when we are all together and we're not cherishing it, you know, like when we're not living in the moment and noticing like how blessed we are, like even right now, it's like there isn't a meteor heading towards earth right now. Right. You know, whoever, whoever you do love that is on planet earth is here right now. Mm-hmm. And you might not be acknowledging them. You might not be texting them. You're not. I mean, but you have that option, and it's just having that consciousness to appreciate and have gratitude, and and it's almost like. And I want to get into the poems next, but it's like, as someone who read through a few of these books, I want to say that it is that um, internal dialogue of, or just that th- these feelings and these thoughts that that any of us would consider a legacy it's like what are we doing for others what are we what are people feeling and thinking and uh, and how do we affect them on that point i want to i want to tell you a story that um this is one of those moments of life that you didn't even think about you know until somebody tells you a story years later and it really makes you realize how much your actions affect other people. And I love this story. Um, my old friend, uh, Chris Walker, who I'm sure you remember as well. Um, he and I are kind of the same as you and I, where you know, every six months or so, you know, just kind of check in with each other. I know he's busy. He's got a wife. He's got Lord knows how many kids and all <laughs> kinds of stuff. You know, you too. And, um, but every six months or so, we would check in with each other. And there was one time a couple of years ago when I kind of started off this thing and I just called him and checked, you know, just, Hey dude, just want to check in with you. And at the end of the conversation, I said, Hey man, I love you. I'll talk to you later. And, uh, he goes, I love you too, man. And that was it. That was the end of the conversation. You know, there was no big to do about this or anything of that nature. So that's the end of that part. So then a couple of weeks later, he's talking to one of his friends. He's actually closer to than I am. And um, at the end of the conversation, he goes, hey, man, I love you. And his friend looks at him like, what, what the hell, man? Like, How dare like, you? Yeah, yeah, where did this come from? <laughs> and he goes, hey, man, my buddy Ricketts, you know, you, you know him. And, um, you know, we were talking not that long ago. And, you know, and, and that's how we ended the conversation. And, uh, and I asked him, you know, like, you know hey, what, what's going on with that? Be like, hey, dude. You think I got a problem, Tony? I love you. I've known you for 20 years. I'd do anything in this world for you, your wife, your kids, whatever. You think I got a problem, Tony? I love you. No. So, and not that he took offense, not that he questioned it, not anything of that nature. Because um, I do love that guy. Sure. And I've, I've grown to love his wife, you know, and all that. And um, it's it was an example to me of how something that you don't really even think of can impact somebody else. And he took that and he was able to pay it forward, mm-hmm. you know, and hopefully the friend that he was talking to, you know, maybe he does that too, mm-hmm. but I've, I've really done the best that I can in 
extending myself to people and you know just reaching out and genuine genuinely checking on them yeah because i do love my friends i wouldn't i wouldn't be friends with them if i didn't um and when you lose someone there's regret because you i mean and i and i even with my kids right i look back and i and i go like i'm sure i was driving my career like crazy when they were little i know i was um I do know I was present with them as much as I consciously could be. I right. mean, but, but there's always more, right? There's always more. And sometimes like just fortunately Facebook started coming out when the kids were still small, like, you know, the fr- Lily who's 18 now, her childhood was all like VHS and uh high eight and, right. and, and not real. There was no real digital, digital pictures were taken with digital cameras. Uh, which requires a parent to really like keep track of them. Whereas like now with Facebook, like I can go on there and I'll see something special I did with the kid, like just sitting at Starbucks with the kids, right? Like, or being at Panera bread for a bagel is like, wow, at least I know like that day I sat with my kids and we were enjoying each other's presence. And, you know, you kind of milk it for everything it can be. But don't you want, we all want more of that in life, right? Well, I know somewhere in some boxes that I have for my parents that there's literally photo books of pictures that were taken yeah. when we were kids and all that stuff. And that's going to be an interesting thing moving forward is, you know, let's say when Lily, you know, let's say when she gets married, mm-hmm. you know, and y'all have to put up a picture collage for her and everything. Mm-hmm. Where are you going to find those pictures? I know. You got to dig through Facebook to find them. Well, that's uh, that's the thing is like even right now, there's pictures that I know exist, but I don't know where they are. Right. Because they were on chips like like at a point they were on chips. And then there was even those little little handheld cameras that that uh, were like USB. You had to connect and download. I have like amazing real life events that I honestly don't know where they are. I, I will say that that might that might be a situation where technology kind of screw things up a little bit sure because i mean shoot i mean both of our parents back in the day they have a whole like one through a hundred and oh, they, yeah. they're hey, organized let's look through all these photos you yeah. know that we just picked up at walgreens yeah. and yeah. all that i mean yeah. i i love look at those photos and that was actually one thing i did a couple christmases ago i was finally going through all my parents stuff and uh one thing i came across is a bunch of pictures of myself and friends and that was my christmas present to all um, it was it was twofold. It was Christmas presents, and it was also a way to kind of release mm-hmm. things from my past. And um, I would go through all these photos, and I'd be like, "All right, there's a picture of my best friend. I, there's a picture of another friend of mine." And I mailed uh, through the UPS, uh, as reliable as it may or may not be. I mailed all these pictures to my friends and just said, "Look, I've had these memories." for 20 years i want to share them with you i want you to have them i don't know where you're going to put them i don't know what you're going to do with them but these are pictures and moments that i've got in my brain and i want to make sure to share them with you i want you to have them and because most of the friends that i'm the closest with are people i've known for 20 30 years you know Mm -hmm. just like you and um there's something special about being able to share those moments and being able to 
kind of recapture the moment and things of that nature. Or even when you think about it, like when, when your parents did show you pictures of you as a baby mm -hmm. or whatever, it's like it, there is a kind of a bonding that goes on with yeah. knowing that anyone cared to take your picture. <laughs> it's like, oh, really? This was this was important to you to yeah. take my snapshot drinking a Coke? Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Or being bathed in a yeah. kitchen sink yeah. or yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. And um. then you wonder like if your great-great-grandkids will... Well, they, it used to be you would imagine them finding a basement full of pictures. Well, right. that is not going to be the case. No. So they're going to have to like click the link at your gravesite to see, to see all your photos or something. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how that's going to play out yeah. moving forward. But, and man. it could be embarrassing, too. Like if you're a kid today and you, like you have your butt crack is on Instagram. Yeah. And then like your great-great-grandson's like, Look at my grandfather. Yes, he was a hero, but this is him when he took his butt crack shot. Right. I mean, he makes a great president today, but here, here's his butt crack from, <laughs> from 70 <grade>. years ago. <laughs> yeah, something like that. So, well, uh, But I, I want to get into some more poetry if, you, if you're if you good. Like, yes. I, So my thought would be I'd like you to share maybe a couple poems. I would love to. And I, and And... Just take us down memory lane, like the best idea of like what you were thinking and uh, and why you chose it. Uh, yeah. And actually, just in the interest of time, um, I would go ahead and read two different things to you. Um, one of them is from the first one is actually from the second book and the second book. Uh, let's see what was going on in my life at that time. Um, I was still. I had uh, I had lost my long term relationship. I had um, left Nashville, Tennessee, which I absolutely loved. Why were you in Nashville? I went for a girl. Wow! And yeah. you worked there too. Uh, I worked, but I never was, was able. It, yeah, it wasn't for a career. It was like you just no. I I literally quit anything and everything that was going on in my life and moved. <laughs> I and love that. It was not the smartest decision That's awesome. in the world. No, it's great. Well, but I mean, it's, it's what every great country slash love song or whatever is like, Hey, screw it. You know, yeah. just, I'm dropping everything. And that's yeah. what I did. And I still my favorite city in the world. There's a lot of women out there that would love someone to drop everything they had to oh. be with them. Well, that's money right there. Oh, dude. Um, that's, and that's what I did. And that's, uh, so, oh man, um, yeah, the second book really found me recovering from that. Um, yeah, I, I, I ran out of love. Or I, I never ran out of love. Love was not the problem. Um, there were other outside factors. Long story short, I I moved to Nashville for a great reason. I had the absolute best time of my life that's the most beautiful city and i would move back there in a heartbeat and um you know i think when you were dating this girl that's where i bumped into at a whataburger just in the middle of nowhere it the, was yeah yes you had uh yeah we had I, all the dogs in the back seat yes and you had the kids yeah like i see uh, here oh, i am like it's like i got my whole family with me and there's at whataburger like in the middle of it, yeah uh, we it was like we were on the way to new brothels <laughs> you're on the way back yeah, or vice versa and and i was just getting a breakfast burrito or whatever yeah. and i'm like dude and i got to meet 
a girl that you were with, and yeah. I also got to meet the dogs. And oh, and one of them probably tried to bite your head <laughs> off, I would imagine. <laughs> no one heard. But, yeah. but, but isn't that, I just want to stop and say, isn't that interesting how, let's just say we never knew each other. Would we still be at the same Whataburger in our lives if we never went to the same school, never knew each other oh, on that shit. day? Because one time I bumped, to my, I bumped into my mom at the post office, mm-hmm. and I wondered, if I was adopted, would I have met? My mom, right? I don't know, but anyway, all right, go ahead. Sorry well, to interrupt, and, but it's just crazy that we did bump into each other. I, and I believe, if if I remember correctly, we were literally parked right next to each other yes. as well. Yeah, and and I can, I mean, I've made that drive a million different times. I can tell you exactly which Whataburger that was. Yes, seriously, and I just remember thinking, "Holy shit! <laughs> how how fucking random is yeah. that?" But it was great because you could see the kids. So yeah. I was like, "Hey, here they are!" Oh, because they were, yeah. Oh, they were t- little. They, they were, were little. little. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Lily had to have been <laughs> like maybe eight. Yeah, at the most. At the most. Yeah, I that's mean, hilarious. It, uh, yeah, and such a small world. I mean, because I remember, uh, I remember Marlon. You know, I remember going over to your house when he was still in diapers. <laughs> yeah, you know, and yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Actually, what I really remember is, yeah, he was in diapers, and like, you know, and he was having some kind of issue going on or whatever and you were feeding him Taco Bell and I just remember thinking to myself like man that's probably not the solution feeding <laughs> any kid in a diaper Taco Bell yeah it just doesn't sound yeah. like it's a great thing makes it all. to where you'll never eat a bean burrito ever again probably not no <laughs> I go go no. with this alright sorry good. about that no sorry. that was a great yeah one off sidetrack right? I yes. love that yeah. love it um you know one thing um one thing Man, I don't know if it's good or I don't know if it's bad. Um, I have remained friends with pretty much every single person I've dated over the years. And, um, you know, and sometimes I can kind of bring you down. Sometimes I can help pick you back up or whatever, just to be able to have that, that voice still in your life and everything. And one thing I always do try to do is to be the best gentleman possible. And, there's a real fine line between trying to help people get to the next place of where they're going in life and being taken advantage of. And there it's, man, it's a tiny thin line. And, um, but I try to walk it and I try to help it because, you know, I've got a sister, I've got nieces, I've got, you know, obviously I had a mother and lots of my really close friends are women. And there's, not a whole lot in the world that I wouldn't do for any of those women. But but, but it's interesting what you're saying is like here you, because even to accomplish what you're talking about and what you just said, I think is what you said is that even in a breakup, um, if you love someone unconditionally, or even if you don't love them, if you're wanting to do the right thing, or if your emotional IQ is in check, there might be things that you do that you're witnessing that help them on their lifespan, even if it means you're not going to be together. Is that what it's almost like you were saying you don't want to be taken advantage of, but you're going to make these you do what's what's right. That's exactly correct. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, that is something we don't all often think about, especially in a breakup. Well, no, I mean, and that's yeah, that's some other things I've written about as well is, you know, Sometimes there is a call to arms. There was a there was a time for everybody to go their separate ways and mm-hmm. never talk again. And 
you know, there, there's there's certain boundaries that get crossed that you can't ever come back from or whatever. And I am really glad to be able to say that I've, I haven't been a part of those. Mm-hmm. You know, I I can call every single person I've ever dated and where the answer or not, that's a whole other, <laughs> yeah. you know, a whole other question. But how am I going to say this? Um, I mean, I am a very peaceful person. Um, I always want the best for people. You know, whether whether we were ever romantically involved or whether we're just friends or whatever the situation might be, I want the best for everybody. I want the best for you and all your kids. I want the best for anybody who I've ever been romantically linked to or anything of that nature. And that's actually, that's what led to me writing this was I knew, unfortunately, fortunately, whatever, I knew that that relationship was over. That that didn't stop me from caring about that person. It didn't stop me from wanting the best for them. I knew that me being involved with that person may or may not have been the right thing. But my love and my love is unconditional. My love still projected to please I hope the best for life for you so this is what I wrote and it's called love will find its way and it's a little repetitive but um, it's pretty fun too I know you're broken words misspoken looking for truth that may never come I see you searching gently disturbing asking for excuse me Asking for answers from up above. Love will find its, love will find its, love will find its way to you, my love. I see you frantic, hopeless romantic, guided by strength that will never give up. So don't stop dancing, sweet romancing. Love will find its way to you, my love. And, man, I mean, if that's not... I mean, if there's a better send off of, look, you know, things don't work out, but, you know, I hope the best for life for you, then email yeah. me sometime. <laughs> so, I mean, I just. What well, is true? It's, you know, when, when there is a breakup, there's two thoughts, right? Well, I mean, I'm sure there's several, but here's two contrasting thoughts. One is, I hope they're miserable. I hope they they suffer. I hope they never find happiness. And I hope they finally realize I was the right oh, person. I wondered, yeah, blah, how blah, could blah. they walk away? Well, that yeah. that's my favorite one is yeah. like, how could you? Like, yeah. how could how could you actually go back to life after not having me? Right. right. But the other way to think about it is we are like student teacher. Like, it's kind of like meaning like we, in life we learn so much from relationships. So how wonderful is it when you say Okay, like return to cinder as far as we're not going to be together. Right. But I want you to be happy. I hey, you still wrap them up in bubble wrap. Yeah, and, sure. Yeah. And, and and also sometimes at the end of a relationship, people have questions, you know, and you have to choose whether you're going to be kind of a people pleaser or whether you're going to tell the truth or, you know, it's very, there's sometimes a lot of um, just 
like little white lies at the end of a relationship. And I think that sometimes transparency and all of that is great. But how more, how wonderful is it to know that you can end a relationship and do so loving from afar, you know, realizing it's not a total loss. The experience is where it's at. Right. And it just prepares you for what's coming. Well, and every experience that you go through and whether it be the dating life or the, the real world or the corporate world, it's all a learning process. Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah, I mean, did you ever grow up wanting to be an insurance? No, never even knew what the hell it was. I, yeah, yeah it's, it's as as you grow, you learn different things. Like, did, for me particularly, um, when I saw a Shell station on the corner, as far as I knew, every single one of them was owned by Mister Shell. <laughs> yeah, had no clue they were owned by individual people uh-huh. and blah blah blah. Yeah, so as you grow, you start to learn more and more about how the actual real world works. You know, these are all franchises. I mean, I'm sure you've been a part of um, mm-hmm. the franchise situation as well. And, you know, the same goes with love and with relationships and everything. They're not all the same. They're all different. Every sing- If you're getting the same relationship over and over again, that's a you problem. I mean, mm-hmm. you, it's, it's kind of... You need to diversify. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, if you find that one thing that works for you, but you're still not happy, then maybe it doesn't work for you. Mm. You know, maybe it's time to maybe it's time to branch out. Maybe it's time to date a dark-haired woman, or <laughs> you know, instead of a blonde every yeah. single time. I I don't know, but I mean, there's there's a lot of contrasting things of life. And, but we are the common denominator in our lives. So like, and so in other words, you know, as you go, if you're in and out of relationships, if like 52 different people tell you you're a little overbearing or you have a anger issue or, and, and if you're not listening, then you're not evolving. No, I mean, it, it, that's one thing you got to take out of every single relationship is like, look, man, maybe that didn't work. And Maybe it's their fault. Maybe it's my fault. Maybe it's a combination of the two. But you got to be able to look back at it and say, all right, where do we go? And and I equate this with business as well with relationships. Where do we go right? Where do we go wrong? Where can we improve upon mm-hmm. things? Mm-hmm. Whether I'm improving upon it with you mm-hmm. or if I'm improving upon it just myself moving forward. Yeah. You, you that's life in general. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just have to always kind of keep evolving. And I mean, the current status of life right now, man, if you're not evolving, yeah, uh, you have to, like if you're going to try to keep your peace of mind, because peace of mind really is a wonderful thing to have. Well, and, and I'm not saying that poetry gives you a complete peace of mind, but man, at least gives me a little bit of an escape. Yeah. And, and I'd love to hear another poem too. Well, and actually, speaking of escape and yes. escapism and all that kind of oh, shit, escapism. And uh, so this is this is one of those fun moments of writing that that happened. And um, and actually, when I posted this on Facebook, 
a friend of mine, actually a friend of mine's mother. Um, she was very close to my parents. Um, I remember her commenting and her saying, man, this really means a lot to me or whatever, because it's, it's the whole lady in red situation. And, um, and so I was able to, I was able to capture a moment of thought of just grabbing somebody that, you know, I think it's more of a sexual, uh, attraction more than anything else or whatever, but just grabbing that person, just disappearing Mm -hmm. and going off into life and just whatever. So I'm going to go and read that to you. And this is from the third book. Um, called Significant Strangers. Uh, But this particular piece is called Live Life by Our Demands. And it goes like this. Make love in a railway station. That's what I want to do. Go away on a permanent vacation. Anywhere is fine with you. Leave behind our families. Run away like the gypsies do. You'll be mine and I'll be yours, baby. Stay with me until my time comes due. We'll sail off into the sea. Keep going till the world turns flat. Live out every one of our dreams. Come on, baby, there's no looking back. Lay out in the Mexican sun. Sneak a kiss between the waves. Doing nothing because that sounds like fun. Won't let nothing get in our way. I'll rob a bank on the borderline. Leave the money and seal your heart. Drive so fast we'll both go blind. Ain't nothing gonna tear us apart. Drive all night into the sand, sleep beneath a Joshua tree. Find a house in Pueblo land, that sounds just fine with me. We'll live life like castaways, dodge between the sinners and saints. Run all night and sleep all day, disappear when daylight breaks. Settle down in a seaport town, I'll slip you a golden band. Never know which way you're bound, come on baby now take my hand. Throw a dart at an atlas sign. Go wherever the needle lands. I'll love you till the end of time. We'll live life by our demands. And, man, I dare you to find a girl and you read that to her to say, hey, look, sweetheart, we're going to go live off in Pueblo land down in Mexico and we're going to live life by our demands. I dare you to find a woman who's going to say, no, that sounds like a horrible idea. <laughs> like, I mean, I just, and, and that, that goes back to being able to capture a moment. And, um, I am obviously I've never done that before. I mean, shit, I mean, yeah. actually moving off to Nashville is a little bit like that, but I never just said, let's you and I, let's drop everything. Let's go off. And, oh yeah. And by the way, I'm going to rob a bank and, yeah, right. you know, whatever. Um, you know, that, that's one of those great moments. And also the rhyming scheme on that one is a little bit different than something that I normally do. Mm-hmm. Um, but, man, that, that puts the fun in writing. Be able yeah. to create create an image. Create. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I, I think that anybody reading along to that, they could just picture themselves right. being that one. Be like, hey, sure. you, come on, let's go. Or yeah. being that one, be like, Oh me? Yeah. Hell yeah, I'll go. Yeah. Um. But it's also a kind of a uh, as as I look at it too. It's like life can be so complicated. Like you know, we make it complicated. Mm. Like, right? Yeah. 
And so we have all these, it's like, it's not just your mortgage, but like suddenly you have like 15 other little things that require your time and everything. So the simplicity of anybody just, you know, two people just taking a hike yeah. sounds pretty good a lot of times when you're just like, you know, drowning in all the bullshit of life. Well, and that's the problem is, um, yeah, and, and we're all, we're all guilty of it. We all get caught up in a moment. We all think that the moment is the most important moment of our life. And then what I think that we're most guilty of is not waking up the next day saying, man, that moment didn't really matter. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, it seemed important at the time and I gave it too much attention and I didn't, I didn't look at what the next steps were. Yeah. You know, and that's, but you know, and that's difficult because a lot of people, you know, and again, going back to, you know, having children and things of that nature. I mean, you know, kids can't comprehend that, you know, and so, you know, you're raising three kids and you know, what's most important at that particular moment of their life is also, of course, important to you because they're just an extension of you. But but the other little thing is, and this goes for you as someone who's lost your parents and for mm -hmm. me as someone who has these kids that are now teenagers, is there's when you're a new parent, there's all these little magical things you make happen for your, like, six-year-old, seven-year-old. Like, you know, like, just think about a trip to the ice cream parlor. Right. But what if you, as the kid, can't remember that trip, right? But it happened. It really happened. It affected your personality in some way. But now it's lost. It's just, where is it? Right. And sometimes the parent remembers it, but the kid doesn't. But, like, as I hang out with my teenage kids, I'm going, like, do they remember the, you know, like, like okay, life's a little nutty right now because it's COVID, you know, COVID time right now as we right. do this interview. But... Do they remember like 10 years ago when, when I sliced a damn watermelon and took them to the damn park? Have you asked them that? <laughs> I try to sometimes. They always say yes, you know, but I don't know if they really do. But do you really question them? Be like, no, to, give me some details. Yeah, right. I need to, I need to verify these things. But that's, but, that... but, but the whole thing is, is like, like even in one of these poems, even if it is just a moment of life. How great is it when you start to bank these moments instead of having to build a lifestyle? So for an example, mm -hmm. let's say being on the beach sounds really great, right? Oh, yeah. Who doesn't like that? Who doesn't like it? But it doesn't mean you have to own like a $15 million mansion on the beach. You could make that beach experience, you know, for a couple of days and, and you're, you're kind of ready to go home and talk to your neighbors and like see your dogs and c call your best friend or whatever the hell you know what I'm right. saying well and yeah um, yeah if I was you I would kind of kind of question my kids every once in a while but like no nah, dude give me some details yeah tell like, me your earliest memory yeah because I mean honestly I'll uh, you and I have actually discussed this before I have I would say before the age of 18 I have virtually zero memories. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that's I, scary. I, I literally have the, the like stories no in my mind of what the stories have been repeated to. Right. You know, 
Greg Mueller, uh-huh. uh, you know, uh, my best friend, uh, he ran over my fingers while we were ice skating one time. We were in middle school. Did they fall off? Like, did, wait, I always wondered, is it like a razor just cuts your four knuckles off? No, so I got lucky. And my hand was against the ice, and so I didn't even feel it when it happened, everything. And, um, yeah, just totally derailed my baseball chances of life yeah. and uh, try to make you a little feel a little guilty there, Greg. Um, but I don't remember it happening. I mean, I know it happened. My yeah. father was there, and I know Greg did it. And not on purpose, of course, or sure. whatever. And my, I remember my father driving me to the doctor or the hospital or whatever. Or, excuse me, I remember my father telling me that he drove me to the hospital. Uh-huh. Or, but I don't remember any of that. Mm-hmm. I, all of my memories from my childhood are basically stories that have just been told over and over again. So you're remembering someone else's recollection of it. Yeah, not my own. I took you for a peanut butter jelly. Yeah, and you just have to go like, hey, I went for a peanut butter jelly. Sounds good. Yeah. Great. It's awesome. Yeah, let's add to the story. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just, and even in my adult life, I mean, it's a lot of the same stuff. I mean, you know, a lot of people bring stuff up. They're like, oh, man, you don't remember this? I'm like, no. Yeah. I really don't. Yeah. But, and my memory works in a weird way where, I mean, it is virtually photographic at certain moments, you know, I can tell you, and, and I think this is something I got from my father. And, you know, like I can remember, I can pinpoint a time, a moment, a place, everything. But man, there's so many other things. Sure. I, I got nothing. Interesting. That's awesome. I mean, it could be a gift, you know, or it could be some early signs of some bad things <laughs> at the same yeah. time. It's not that. It's just, I think, I think a lot of us kind of, we unconsciously kind of go through life. So, there's this autopilot Matthew Ricketts, and then there's the really conscientious Matthew Ricketts, and all of us, right? Right. Like, I don't know when I drive, I don't know, I don't remember anything about the drive. I just get there. Oh, that's a friend of mine just had a kid a couple of years ago, and we were working together, let's call it maybe six months into her being a parent. And uh, it was early in the morning, and she goes, yeah, I don't remember anything about the drive in this morning. I was like, yeah. you know... You know, I'm I'm all for everybody just kind of yeah. doing whatever it is that yeah. they do in life. I was like, but there might be a case for yeah. moms not driving, yeah. like the first year of their <laughs> life, maybe because it could be tired. They well, be, man, yeah. they get, they got a lot going yeah, on, man. No, I, I mean, know. and well, you got to remember if the kids are in the back seat to pull them out, you know, right? Which yeah. How does that how does that not happen? I don't know. But let me tell you, as a dad who had three little kids in diapers, I you know, when I hear those cases, I actually can somehow relate to how you could have just thought you were supposed to, you know, you thought the spouse was supposed to do something or right. and you get to the you get to your office, you just run upstairs and work all day and the kid is stuck in the I don't know. But 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 our all of our lives are affected by how much garbage we got going on. Well and yeah, and and that's exactly right. You know, and it's it's outside muted noise. Yeah. You know, where it's like, and it doesn't need to be that way. And it's, you know, you got three beautiful kids and, but we're all doing what we got to do. Mm-hmm. We're all going out there working as hard as possible. So that way we can come back and try to, raise the kids the best we can or take care of ourselves the best we can or our spouse or whatever, man, that, dude, that's a lot. That's a lot on 
each individual's plate. You know, you're you're trying to do the best for yourself. You're trying to do the best for whoever you may be dating or, you know, whatever. And then you're also trying to do best for your kids as a whole and as an individual. Yeah. And plus also trying to put the best into your um, career. Yeah. I mean, there's only so many slices of the pie that I can know. go out there. That's why I, I just did an interview with a guy that has something called the awakened tradesman. Mm -hmm. And after 15 years, he's divorced his kids say they don't even know him, you know, and they're, you know, they're like in their teens and they're saying, dad, we don't even know you because he was in the oil and gas industry and he's traveling all the time. And he's, and so he lost everything because he found his value with making money and not really being present. Right. right. And now he's helping other people learn that it's all about the singles. So it's like, what are the singles he's talking about? Like, your body and your health are obviously the most important to be able to facilitate your life, right? So what are you going to do to be healthier? What are you going to do to take care of yourself? And then what are the singles when it comes to, and these are like, what, what about sending a text to a loved one that hasn't heard from you? Or what about sending a, uh, uh, making a phone call to someone that you know would love you to acknowledge them? And then what is it with work? And like, you know, all of us are trying to balance it all. Um, I love the poetry. I think that a lot of people are, I know we're going to share with how people can connect with you um, to get the books, but I want to, um, before we do that, I want to just talk about some other stuff. Real of quick. course. So you've been coaching kickball. Uh, for two, yeah, two, yeah, two or three seasons now. And yes. This, and this isn't with children. This is like, adults. no, these are allegedly adults. Yes. <laughs> yes. Allegedly. Yes. So what interested you in that? And like, how did that come about? And, and, and what role does that play in your life? Um, so originally when I moved back from Nashville, um, Greg, uh, my best friend, um, he was like, Hey, just come be on my kickball team. And I was like, all right, cool. No problem. And we had a lot of fun doing that. And, um, so then more recently, um, of course, you know, anybody who doesn't know me, uh, one thing I do on the weekends and at night, actually both is, uh, is I bartend for a lot of fun events, doing Texans games, doing ass shows, doing lots of different events that are out there. And it's a very big community, the bartending community and the group that I work with and for, uh, we put together a team, and so we went out there to go start playing. We played right there off of I-10 at uh, what's that? St. Arnold's Brewery, and um, uh, and I jokingly kind of put myself in as the coach, and you know, a main reason for that was every single team, no matter how uh how important it is or anything of that nature you know it needs a little bit of structure and plus i've also played a lot more sports than lots of the people that are on the team so i was happy to just kind of give a little bit of guidance and let them play as much as possible and then and like what are some like what is what's your favorite part about any experiences that you could share with us oh i mean i'll i'll definitely tell you and this this is probably going to come across the wrong way, but it's one of my favorite experiences um, that was out there. And it's definitely going to come across the wrong way. Um, 
So as I'm coaching, and let's see, we're on the first base dugout, uh, or the first base sideline, and uh, so our team is out there playing, and uh, one of my favorite young ladies that I work with and I'm friends with is playing second base, and um, if I remember correctly, the there is at least a runner on first second, if not the base is loaded, and um, so a pop fly happens to a second baseman and uh this young lady catches the pop fly which i was tremendously proud of it was great but unfortunately it did not end the inning at all uh that was only out number one or number two whatever and so as she is doing her little victory dance holding the ball and everything the, the runners on the bags keep running and uh, she does not tag any of these people she does not throw it to the base to get force out or anything of that nature and, uh, of course, being the type of coach I am, I stand in on the sidelines and I throw my beer in her general direction into the outfield. And um, and it, it got relatively, it got close enough to people that it sprayed them a oh. little bit. Mm-hmm. And they all turn and look directly at me. And they're like, man, what, what yeah, the hell? And I'm I want like, to kill him. Well, and I'm like, no, I want to kill you because... There's runners still running. Let's get some outs, and then we can celebrate all day long. We can do whatever you want to do. We can go for a fucking ice cream after this. But unfortunately, there's still runners running around while people are jumping up and down, catching a ball and everything. And uh, so we had a little conversation after the inning. And uh, I mean, obviously, I would never do this with your kids out there playing or anything, but these are adults. And she said, well, you know, what if you had hit me with that beer can? I said, sweetheart. I'm a two-time citywide dodgeball champion. If I wanted to hit you with that beer can, I'd hit you with the beer can. I just wanted to get your attention and say, hey, let's wrap things up a little bit. And, you know, so some people might take a little bit of offense to that coaching style and whatever, but um, but she is still on the kickball team. We still joke about that moment. We And guess what? She never made that mistake again. Uh-huh. So, um you know, obviously, I'm not going to be chunking beer cans at your kids or whatever yeah. if I go out there coaching or anything of that nature. But let's also keep our eye on the prize yeah, at the same time. Yeah, that's that's some serious uh, mashugana over there. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, maybe sometime I'll uh, toss it a little bit lighter <laughs> next time, maybe not in a straight line. Yeah. But you know, I I love coaching, coaching, coaching doesn't just involve sports coaching is about life it's about uh experiences it's about a lot of different things and um you know with that same bartending group um uh you know they they like to make jokes because i'm a little bit older and most of the people that are there and um but also bring some different life experiences with all that and it's pretty regular pretty regular than I get phone calls or text messages from a lot of the guys or girls or whatever about different life experiences or, you know, like what's going on. And yeah, I really try to do my best to be, um, a supportive figure, you know, and an elder statesman, I guess is a good way of putting it. And, um, because maybe some of the things in my life can pertain to them. Maybe it can kind of help them with different ideas or with different things that they're going on. 
So Matt, as as a guest on Feed the Machine, you know mm-hmm. this is about a lot of it's about recognizing that life can be difficult and you have loss and like here you are yeah you did your books and i know you've you've had this robust life and it, you know there's there's parts of life where things get really difficult so for our listeners for me for any any good friend that you have when someone says like hey when the shit hits the fan or 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 you've just had the the rug pulled from under you like how do you frame it like how what have you found helps you through the most difficult times in life? Obviously, what what really helps me is writing, um, to be able to channel all my thoughts and things of that nature. And it's going to be different for everybody. Um, you know, some people find their escape through being able to play video games or you know whatever it is that's going on in their life and um one thing that we'd kind of touched upon somewhere in there is the difficulty of finding the happiness of life and to me life is a very delicate balance of finding the happiness and balancing that out with the sadness of anything and everything and being able to kind of walk the line in between the middle. And so one thing I would like to read is from the third book that I'd come out that's called Significant Strangers, which that title um, just really stuck out with me. I don't remember... I don't really remember exactly where that phrase came from, but I think that it's very, uh, very potent to the time frame that we live in this life. You know, you and I go back, geez, by now, uh, over 30 years. And, um, and there's a lot of different people in all of our lives that, um, yeah, I, I don't remember how I met this person. I don't remember how he became involved. I don't remember any of that. But I know that they play a significant part of my life. But at the same time, lots of times I couldn't even tell you their last name. You know, so in essence, they are a significant stranger to your life. And I just thought that that was a very, very potent expression, very a very powerful expression. Um, And so one thing that I wrote about was, you know, my father passed away. It's been just over three years now. And um, as the one-year anniversary was coming up, uh, a friend of mine, uh, my little little nugget, my little uh, little Greek friend, Sammy, um, Sammy has invited me to go to Greece with him for probably 20 years now. Every single year, I came up with whatever excuse was proper to just say I couldn't go. Uh, That particular year, I sat down, I looked at my schedule, because he usually goes for three or four weeks at a time. I said, hey, dude, um, I got this one week carved out where there's really nothing going on here, there's nothing going on there, but I, I can make it for seven days. And I know that that's kind of a whirlwind trip to do in seven days. Um, and trust me, it is. It's 
Man, it's like a 24-hour trip there. And somehow you're going back in time on the way back. It just really confused me and all that. But I said, I think that that's the right thing for me at this particular time, this particular moment of my life. And I, I and Sammy uh, could not be any more correct. That was where I needed to be at that particular moment of my life. And I, I hope I don't rephrase that here in a second. But I want to paint a picture for you. Then we're over in Greece, which is already one of the most beautiful countries in the world. And we're in this tiny village that uh, Sammy's family grew up in. Sammy and Johnny, his brother. And um, it's beautiful. I mean, it's literally, there's no stop signs. There's no stop lights. You walk everywhere. Um, they, both those guys, even to this day, just look like Greek gods, the way they're built and all that. And apparently it comes from, and after seeing it, I know why they're in such good shape. It comes from literally going down the hill to go get water and having to carry it, just like you would think of the old world countries of carrying the water up the hill. And that hill is not very fun to walk up clean and sober, much less after you've had a drink or two. And that's where I spent a beautiful week of my life was in this beautiful little town called Corfu. And um, during one of the last days that we were there, Sammy said, look, man, I know the beaches here are beautiful, but... We can go to this other beach. It's about 30 minutes away. And uh, so we took Cab, and Cabby's giving us all kinds of stories and everything. Sammy's interpreting for me. And it's, uh, man, it's just beautiful. Uh, I We were actually supposed to go back again this summer, but it didn't happen because of all the things that were going on. And I met some of the most beautiful people in the world and some of the funnest people in the world. And I cannot wait to go back next summer and see all these people again and just recongregate and see how their lives have changed and see how my life has changed and all that. And one thing that really struck out to me in that particular trip when we went to this other beach was I was standing out there and we're sitting on these chairs. We're literally feet away from the ocean. I don't remember which ocean it is over there. And, um, but I just had a beer in my hand. I had a cool breeze coming in off the beach and I'm staring at the most beautiful waters I've ever seen in my life. And I go out and I'm standing out there and I'm taking some pictures and, um, and I've shared them on social media and everything. And I just remember thinking to myself, like, this is literally the most beautiful moment that I have experience in my life you know just the moment the situation the the everything and but I still remember there being this sadness inside of me you know and of course part of the trip there was because celebrating my father's one year passing and everything and um you know, and one thing I'd expressed to you before was you know up up until his dying day I would always check in with him you know, whenever I flew somewhere, he was the first person I would send a text message. Hey, I, I landed safely. I'm good to go. Or, you know, I know it's late at night, but I'm home safely or whatever. And so you come to these confounding moments of your life where you're in the midst of the most beautiful moment that you've ever been in. 
and but you're still you're still missing something you know and it's and that's something that's going to live with you for the rest of your life and what i discovered was it's it's what you make of the moment and let me tell you we we made the best of that moment i I will guarantee you that so what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna read the introduction that i wrote to on the on this particular piece in the book and then i'm gonna read the piece to you and i think that i think after having shared that story plus the introduction i'm about to read it all kind of makes sense so i'm gonna read that to you and again this is from the third book uh significant strangers title of the piece is walking all alone which yeah, moving forward in life i mean that's there's gonna be a lot of that so here's how it goes in writing there is no wrong and right way sure if you're writing a non-fiction story or book you need to stick with that genre but in poetry and or song lyrics there is no cut and dry definition most tales either follow a direct path telling a story from begin to end or fall into the abstract category i would say that 95 percent of what i write is linear and those are expressions i've used before in, in our conversations and that it is generally there is generally a start and a conclusion with a main message mixed in sometimes i delve into the abstract and the words just flow together telling a somewhat cohesive story and then there is this one where thoughts and meanings bounce all over the place, yet the underlining message is crystal clear. One of my favorite one of my favorite friends has invited me to go to Greece with him quite often, and I never took the time to make it happen. Then, with the first anniversary of my father passing looming, I had the chance to go and I seized the moment. I was on a beach in a wonderful, beautiful country, surrounded by white sands and the clearest water I've ever seen. The beers were flowing, people were all around, one of my best friends in tow. And as I took everything in, I thought to myself, the only thing cooler would be if I had someone to share this moment with. It may sound odd, but I miss having someone to report to that I made it safely, whether it be a parent or a lover. There are many reasons why I know I am single, even more questions as to why as well. But I love my life and the opportunities it affords me. So to mix in the remembrance of a great man, the longing for a significant other, and the bonding with a trusted friend led to a huge stir of emotions. Add in meeting new, lifelong friends who gladly and willingly took you in as one of their own, and it was a carousel of emotions. I think of that trip more often than any other I've ever been on. It's quickly become one of my new favorites. And when I say that, I mean what I wrote. So here's what I wrote. It's called Walking All Alone. I thought of this while I was standing uh, knee-deep in the water of one of the most beautiful countries around. Through these battles and these hardships, too many sticks have turned to stones. I've tried to walk a fine line, but end up walking on my own. The tears that feel, excuse me, the tears that fill these scattered, God bless, that's a hard line. The tears that fill these tattered scars will often break you to the bone. A last gas effort to change my ways from walking all alone. 
a thrill a minute, some casualties, a nervous ring of a telephone, a shift in days to change my ways from always walking all alone, a rendezvous, a nervous feel, a search to finally find a home, a friend's attempt, a friend's attempt to reminisce to finally not feel all alone, a beacon of your kindness, a heartfelt lover turned to stone. My destiny, not the friend I need, that always keeps me all alone. One last attempt to seal my fate, one last heartache for the road. Seasons change, yet remain the same, with this feeling all alone. That's it. Nice. And So if, <clears throat> as people listen to this, they're going to want to know, like, how do they get a hold of you if they want to purchase one of the books? Or, you know, how are they... I, I think you told me they're not available online yet, but um, uh, the easiest way is uh, to reach out to to me directly. Um, my email address, is, of course, be on the link, but it's also it's just my name. It's Matthew M A T T H E W, middle initial R, last name Ricketts R I C K E T T S at gmail dot com. That's the easiest way to get a hold of me. And um and I'm I am very proud to say I am an internationally known book author because of some of the great people I met over there in Greece. I have mailed them some copies as well. Um I'll mail copies anywhere and everywhere within the United States or within the world. And if you're a little bit more locally, I'm more than happy to meet up with you and shake your hand. Thank you. And uh, thank you for your support. And uh, pass along the copy to you as well. It, uh, it It's kind of like being a small business, basically. <laughs> well, it's really great. I've got the three books sitting here on my table. And just getting a chance to glance through them has been very eye-opening and definitely something that I would recommend. I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell anybody I didn't recommend it unless I did because there's, there's actually some real substance in here. And I think for a lot of people, um, it could be eye-opening. It could be eye-opening. So Matthew Ricketts, thank you so much. Uh, this is great. Like we went, we, I mean, we spent an hour and a half talking, which doesn't happen all the time. No. So it's great. No. So thank you. And uh, everybody, check out Matthew Ricketts. I'm going to have all his comment, it's com uh, all of his contact information in the show notes. Matthew Ricketts, thank you very much. Warren, I can't thank you enough. <laughs> Peace thank out. Thank you for having me. Bye-bye.